welcome to episode one of the Gamble Pod. I'm your host, Josh Crawford, aka AI Bonovich, aka The Gambler. Today's episode is going to be our first look at best ball drafts for NFL football 2019. But before we get to that, we got to answer what is the Gamble Pod and what is the story behind all of those names I just gave at the beginning of the episode. The Gamble Pod is a brand new podcast that I'll be hope, hosting leading up to and throughout the 2019 NFL season. We're going to focus on two main topics, 2019 NFL best ball drafts, specifically best ball drafts on draft.com, and NFL DFS GPP tournaments, mainly on FanDuel and DraftKings. Um, so these are the large field, large prize pool tournaments uh, like the Sunday Million on DraftKings or the Showdown Slates or any of the other large field tournaments that have big first prizes. Uh, In-season is going to be mostly focused on the uh, GPPs, obviously. Um, We're going to do lots of live lineup drafting um, and lots of strategy around stacking, contrarian plays, who to fade, who to play, Lots of breakdown week to week. Um, In the preseason here, for the next couple months leading up to the season, we're going to be discussing a lot of best ball. Uh, For those of you who don't know about best ball, just look it up. It's everywhere. There's lots of intro articles on it. I assume most of the people listening to this podcast already know what best ball is. Um, But we are really going to focus primarily on the best ball championship on draft. If you haven't heard about this, They just launched it a few weeks ago. It is a $3.5 million guaranteed prize pool with a $1 million first place prize. Uh, They ran a best ball championship last year that was a little bit smaller. I believe first prize was $100,000 or $150,000. It was a million guaranteed overall. So this is quite a bit bigger and it's uh, going to be quite a beast to take down. Um, that's what this podcast is focused on, taking down big tournaments, taking down big scores. In addition to looking at best ball, looking at DFS, uh, throughout the preseason here and in season, we'll do some general gambling advice. It's mostly going to be focused on things like futures, parlays, maybe some survivor pools, anything with a big payout. Um, I am not really going to focus on even money bets very much. That's not what we're about here. We're focused on on big buy-in or large fields with big first prizes. So that's kind of how this podcast is different. We're going to focus a lot on strategy for taking down high-variance scores. So high-variance scores, as I'm sure you know, are things where you're going to lose a lot of the time, maybe most of the time. Uh, In the case of DFS, maybe 85-90% of your weeks might be losing weeks, Um, but when you do hit, it's going to more than make up for all of those losses. And there's some strategies I've learned over the last few years for mitigating those losses and putting yourself in the best position for the big score. So um, we're focusing on strategy, we're focusing on plus EV strategy for any type of gambling. Uh, specifically this high variant variance gambling. Um, like I said, I'm not going to spend much time on traditional sports bets. You won't hear me talking 
picking lines, picking lines, picking against the spread. I'm not going to get into NFL DFS uh, 50-50s or double ups. Um, I'm mostly going to focus on the big scores. Um, and that sort of leads into who I am. So like I said at the top, uh, my name's Josh Crawford. I've been gambling in various forms for almost 20 years, and for quite a long time that, that meant I played a lot of poker. I was a professional poker player for several years. Uh, I played poker, I won't say casually because I played it all the time, but I, I played poker as a losing or break-even player for quite a few years, but then I spent quite a few years as a pre professional. Um, I made my living online uh, under the alias a underscore Ivanovich. Um, that name comes from a Russian novel by uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky called The Gambler. The main character was Alexei Ivanovich, uh, who was, in fact, the gambler. He's known for catching the gambling bug, um, going to the roulette tables, and going on huge runs, both winning lots of money and losing lots of money. And much of the book is about the rush that he gets from, from being involved in that high-stakes action. It's an appropriate name. I've had it for about 20 years. Um, I answer to Ivan or Ivanovich just as, just as well as I answer to my own name. Um, as a poker player, I specialized in Omaha High Low. I'm not a very good Texas Hold'em player. I'm just, just not. I'll openly admit it. Probably a break-even or losing Texas Hold'em player uh, over the course of my life, I've played a lot of Texas Hold'em, but Omaha High-Low is my specialty. Um, and specifically within High-Low, I was I specialized on in tournaments, um, sit-and-goes, multi-table tournaments. Um, and in some ways, I sort of wrote the book on how to play tournament Omaha High-Low. Uh, in, you know, the, the late 2000s, maybe 2007 to 2011, um, I played tens of thousands of sit-and-goes, uh, thousands of tournaments, and was consistently one of the top players in the world um, in Omaha High-Low tournaments. Um, I'm not really saying that to brag. I'm more bringing it up because Omaha High-Low at that time, and poker in general, but mostly Omaha Hilo was, was, it was undiscovered and unsolved. Um, and that's the way I approach any of these games, whether it be a new best ball format or a new, uh, or, or DFS or new DFS formats. For example, the showdown slates that started last year, um, I attack them. Um, I, I know that there's a game within a game and the game within the game within the game. And it oftentimes being a winning player has less to do with knowing uh, exactly what the right play is and more about understanding how the game itself is played. So you can, you can figure out these edges. I, I always talk about collecting edges. We're going to talk about collecting edges a lot in this podcast. So we might lose in any given play or any given week. But what have we done? We took as many plus EV edges as we possibly could. And when we're talking about high variance gambling, um, you have to be collecting those edges over and over and over again because it takes many, many hours, weeks, years sometimes to even out your variance. Um, 
So that's what I was able to do in Omaha Hilo. And, um, and just to round that out, um, Black Friday came up, came up and went. Uh, many who played poker know about that, know, what, know about Black Friday. Online poker no longer an option for U.S. players. Um, I took a few years off, uh, got some jobs, worked. And then through a friend uh, and uh, another great poker player who played online under the alias Quad Ducks, um, I was introduced to DFS. Um, and he spent about two months in the offseason before the 2015 season telling me about this new thing, this DFS and DraftKings and FanDuel. And before the football season had even started, I was hooked. I, I, I listened to what he said. I listened to the way he explained it. And I realized how much it sounded like tournament poker in the early 2000s when it was just the Wild West and there was so much money to be won. Um, I knew nothing about football. Almost nothing. I followed other sports very actively, but I had never paid much attention to football. Um, and I dove in. Um, I, I Initially, I realized through long discussions with Quad Ducks that I didn't necessarily need to know about football. I needed to know more about how the game was played. Um, taking contrarian plays, um, fading the chalk. These are really simple concepts now, concepts everybody knows. Anybody who plays DFS uses them all the time. Um, but at the time, people weren't necessarily talking about that. Um, so I spent a lot of time just figuring out who the chalk was going to be, who the low-owned players were going to be, and making lineups accordingly. It was pretty funny. At, at times, I wouldn't even know which players played on which teams. Um, and I would be building these lineups, not not having ever seen this player play football before. Um, but it was a successful year. Uh, I've had several successful years since. And I have lived, ate, breathed, talked football nonstop since then. I've seen a ton of football. Uh, I know much more about the game now. And I've developed my, my gambling strategy, my DFS strategy, um, into a much more nuanced and um, much more effective approach. Um, so that's where this podcast comes from. And throughout the throughout this leading up to the 2019 season, I'll be playing, I'll be maxing out in uh, draft.com best ball tournaments, the the large field um, best ball tournaments where you play down through a number of weeks towards the large first prize. And throughout the season, I typically put anywhere from 300 to 1,000 lineups in into action every weekend. Um, so maxing out a lot of the big guaranteed uh, buy-in tournaments, maxing out things like the showdown slates when possible, and just putting a ton of time into it. It's a full-time job, um, and I love it. It's great. So that is who I am and what the Gamble Pod would, will be. Um, so why should you listen? Um, this is a great podcast to listen to if you specifically want to hear about the gambling takes. There's a lot of fantasy po podcasts. There's a lot of NFL podcasts. I, I listen to a ton of them. There's some that I love. 
There's some that I listen to just because I think that the takes are bad. I think that they're uh, they're just repeating the public opinion or the they're they're caught in the echo chamber. And I want to know about that. I want to know what the echo chamber says because that tells me who the chalk's going to be, who to fade when I don't trust that story. Um, so this podcast is filling a void where there's not a lot of people who are really focused on strategies in these uh, these tournament these tournaments that we play for money and we play for large amounts of money. And that's where that's what I've done for the last four years, really the last 20 years. And that's where I can hopefully um, give some good knowledge. Um, I consider myself to be an expert in high variance gambling. Um, and at this point, I don't play poker anymore. I, I work. But other than that, the NFL is all I do. You won't hear me talking about other sports. You won't hear me talking about my favorite TV shows on this podcast. You won't hear a lot other than football. And I think that hopefully there's some people out there who who appreciate that type of podcast and want to tune in. Whether you're a casual player who puts a couple lineups in every week or you're somebody uh, more like me who puts hundreds and thousands of lineups in over the course of the year, I think there's a lot here for anyone to take away. And really, some of this you can take away for your fantasy leagues or anything else as well. Um so we're going to break down a ton of action this year and my last note to everybody before we dive into today's episode where we're going to talk about uh best ball strategies it's our first look at the best ball for this season um is i just want i want people to know that you should be disagreeing with me regularly you should be you should think i have some really bad takes about certain things that is absolutely what how you want to approach this type of gambling. It's how you want to approach um, your own strategies for setting lineups. We're talking about high variance plays. I'm going to be picking guys who we know will fail in any given week 60% of the time, 80% of the time. But it can still be the correct play if that 40 or 20% of the time when they do succeed leads to a really excellent result that outpaces the field that didn't see that coming at all. Um, so this podcast is designed to give you information and opinions and stories. I'll tell a lot of stories. That's one of my primary things is let's build the story. Let's figure out what the locker room's like after after a tough, tough loss. Let's figure out who's going to bounce back after that tough loss. Let's figure out which coach is going to breathe some fire into their defense. These are all, we want to tell the stories and you should disagree frequently with the stories that I'm telling, but I encourage you to build your own and what you should take away from this more than anything else is the process for determining which plays are good plays, which plays are bad plays. You and I can pick two completely opposite players on, on any given week, two different running backs from the same team, and we can both be right in our interpretation as long as we put a process behind it that makes sense so please give disagree with me i'll give out all my social media at the end of this episode and uh, feel free to engage in the conversation there so let's get it going um this episode is going to be focused on uh draft.com nfl best ball championship for 2019 
Um, this is a huge tournament. I think it's going to be extremely difficult to win or even to, to get into the final. Um, just for context, last year draft ran a 20, this is a $25 buy-in tournament. Last year draft ran a $25 buy-in tournament. They had far fewer entrants. Um, and they also ran a $5 and $125 version of the tournament. Um, and of those, I put 111 lineups into the $5. I put 150 lineups into the $25. And I, I put one lineup from the five and one lineup from the 25 into the final 60. This year, that's changed. They've made the, the player pool much bigger. They're limiting it to a final 27 rather than a final 60. And you have to play through twice as many uh, people each week in the playoffs. If you want to know more about the format, we're going to go into that. The format, we're going to break it down. We're going to break down all the numbers in a later episode. But you can head over to draft.com um, and you can check out the rules and the setup. It's a fun tournament, but it's extremely hot, top heavy. So it makes it perfect for us to discuss on this podcast. Um, so, um, there's 150 entries that I plan on having in this tournament, uh, this year and any other tournament they, they roll out champ, uh, championships style multiplayer tournament. I, I will attempt to max out if I can. Um, but I don't want to waste, uh, entries early in the year when I don't quite have my strategies down yet. So I... Um, myself, and I would suggest for you as well, I did a number of warm-up warm up drafts. So you can just go on draft. They have 12-man best balls. You can enter for 5 bucks or 10 bucks, whatever you want. Um, any, also, you can enter for a dollar. Um, make sure you play 12-player uh, drafts because that is the format of the championship. Um, but go in. I, I played about 10 of them. I might have played 12. And... I just drafted and I tried some different strategies and we're going to talk a lot about the various strategies that you can use drafting three, 400, uh, best balls last year. I can, I can tell you there is an extreme amount of variability that you can, that you can do within, within these drafts, even, even if you're sticking with a pretty limited player pool that you want to select from. Um, so I did about 10 or 12 of these. And I came to some conclusions. The in you will feel a little lost at times. This at this point in the year. Um, since then, I've done done about another uh, fifteen or so in the championship itself, and I can tell you, I'm I'm finally starting to settle down. I'm starting to see uh, see things a little bit quicker. Um, but what I determined in my warm up sessions is that there seems to be value littered all over these drafts at almost every position. Um, it just feels like there's going to be a lot of movement on, uh, in ADPs. Um, there's a lot of players that are way too high in my opinion. There's a lot of players that are way too low in my opinion. And there's a lot of players who are not on anybody's radar right now, but all it takes is one, one injury or one good showing in training camp, and all of a sudden they're gonna they're gonna jump six rounds. Um, we saw this a lot last year. I'll go into examples of that later, um, and it's it's certainly gonna happen this year again. So let's get it started by just talking about three players from each position 
um, that I feel that there's value and I'll talk through why I think there's value there. And again, these are not the only value picks and you might not necessarily agree uh, with these value picks, but I'll make a case for each one. <clears throat> we'll start with quarterback. I'm going to give three quarterbacks here. Quarterback number one, Russell Wilson. We He is going as the QB 10 in draft best ball drafts with an ADP of 107. Um, QB 10, I mean, this is, this is pretty obvious. It, you look at the names ahead of him, and yes, it's easy to make the case that anyone or every one of those quarterbacks could be better than Russ. But Russ is is a he's absolutely one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's had very little to work with and he still turns it into uh excellent production. Russell Wilson could easily be a top 5 quarterback this year, maybe even a top 3 quarterback. I don't think he's got number 1 upside. There's there's just he doesn't have enough weapons, but with a little bit of work on the ground and a few touchdowns on the ground out of Russ, uh, you know, picking up some rushing yardage and getting some rushing touchdowns with his, uh, with, with the passing production that he puts up consistently, he doesn't, he's not going to throw the ball a lot. We know that the Seahawks are going to run the ball as much as they can possibly get away with. But when the guy throws the ball, good things happen. Um, yes, you can argue for touchdown regression, or uh, touchdown regression based on the number of pass attempts and, and yardage and everything, but he has probably about the same receiving, uh, same value of receiving core that he's had in the past, and he's gonna he's gonna do it again. At the very least, he's safe with upside in the top five, top three. Um, looking at Russ, though, I absolutely wouldn't fault you if you just wanted to look at all the other quarterbacks right behind him. Um, you got, it, these quarterbacks are going to go in eight, rounds 8 through 12. Um, the, the five quarterbacks behind Russ are Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger, Dak Prescott. You can make an argument for any one of these guys. I absolutely believe that quite a few of these will wind up in the top 12, maybe even the top 8. One of these quarterbacks is going to be in the top five. There's no doubt about it. Build your own story here. Figure out your guy that you like and and put, put some lineups in with him. Target him in a few. Um, and just a quick note before we go to two and three on the QB rankings. There's really... QB isn't the position with the most shocking value. Um, there's so many quarterbacks who are going to perform and they're going to perform well um, on any given week. Um... I won't blame you for picking Aaron Rodgers, who's going later than ever in, in best ball drafts. I'll pull up his, uh, his ADP in just a moment. Um, I believe he's going as the fourth or fifth quarterback off, off the board, which is insane by past years. Um, I wouldn't fault you with going with several quarterbacks far down the list. Um, Cam Newton ha definitely has number one upside at, at QB 12. You absolutely can make a case for that. Now, I'm pretty scared of the shoulder situation. I am not really drafting Cam right now, but could he be the could he end the season as the number one quarterback? Yes. So should you be taking some Cam in a format like this? Probably. Yeah. I may I may be talking myself into taking taking Cam a few more times than I was thinking. Uh, let's get to quarterback number two on our value list. 
I have Josh Allen as a value. He's going as quarterback 16 off the board with an ADP of 132. This puts him into about the 11th round. You can sometimes get him in the 12th round even. Um, last year, he was QB 19 in fantasy points per game with 17.3 through 12 games. Let me give you his passing stats through 12 games. 2,074 yards and 10 touchdowns. This is ugly. This is extremely ugly. However, in that same period of time, he rushed for 631 rushing yards and 8 rushing touchdowns. Okay, 8 rushing touchdowns, we can't bank on that. Bring it back down to a reasonable number, 4, 5, 6. I think Josh Allen gets 4, 5, 6, easy. 631 rushing yards, uh, let's just give him that for a 16-game season. They're going to try to get him to run a little bit less, but he's going to run. They do plenty of design plays for Josh Allen. And I think, this is a little bit of a teaser for a future episode, I think this Bills team is going to be a lot better than what we saw last year. I trust Sean McDermott. I trust this defense. I trust them being in much more competitive games. And so when you look at the rushing yards and you say, no, they aren't going to let them rush as much. Well, they're not unless it's going to help them win the game. If this team is sitting six and six and the Patriots are eight and four and they're going in and they feel that they can either win the division or get a wild card spot, you think they're going to stop Josh Allen from running? No, absolutely not. They'll let him run wild. Beyond that, he's got a much improved receiver core. John Brown is a great addition for, for Josh Allen's skill set. He's a deep receiver. I hear, I, I've heard this uh, said on a different podcast about a different quarterback, but John Brown is Josh Allen's check down. This guy likes to chuck it down the, down the field, and John Brown is a perfect, perfect, uh, perfect skill set for Josh Allen. On top of that, um, we have uh, Zay Jones and... Reuben Foster, who Reuben Foster definitely uh, emerged last year. I'm sorry, Reuben Foster. <laughs> I got the I got the wrong. Reuben Foster's the the Redskins. There there you're um, there. I'm exposing a little bit of my uh, novice NFL knowledge. Um, uh, Robert Foster is the Bills uh, wide receiver that I'm thinking of. Um, Robert Foster, who, who similar to John Brown is a great deep threat. Um, so now you have two, two very good deep threats and Zay Jones, I, I don't know. He might emerge. He might take a, a step forward in year three. He certainly flashed a little bit, um, improved offensive line. Hopefully Shady gets a little bit back on track. He got Singletary maybe to help out in the backfield, Frank Gore to help out in the backfield. I really like that backfield by the way. Um, I think this is a sneaky team to win some games, and I think Josh Allen's going to be the reason why they win these games when they do. Um, now, is he going to be great consistently all year long? No, absolutely not. But we're playing best ball. We don't care about that. In fact, we almost don't want him to be consistently great all year long. We want 30-point fantasy production, and then we want 12-point fantasy production. So give me that game where he rushes for 80 yards and a touchdown and throws for 250 and two every once in a while. And that's all I need from Josh Allen. Um, let's go to our third value quarterback. 
We're looking at Andy Dalton at QB 26 with an ADP of 186. 186 puts you in the middle of the 15th round. These are 18 round drafts. This is almost as late as you can possibly go. Andy Dalton has disappointed off and on, but he's also been a good quarterback at times. And I have this sneaky feeling that this Cincinnati offense if they can keep some of their important pieces healthy, could be a lot better than people are giving them credit for. A healthy A.J. Green, an improved offensive line. We had Tyler Boyd emerge last year. John Ross catches some touchdown passes. I'm sure he will again this year. I'm sure he will strike out most of the time and occasionally catch one or two touchdown passes per game. Um, Joe Mixon's going to be great. And let's not forget, we have a new offense, a new offensive mind under Zach Taylor coming over from the Rams, and it's not a great D. So everybody's looking at teams like um, Tampa Bay to have this offensive firepower with the bad defense that just adds up to explosions on offense. I think Cincinnati's in a somewhat similar situation. I didn't even mention Eifert. We aren't gonna we aren't gonna assume that that guy's gonna play any games, but he could. Um, I think we could see some offensive firepower here. It's a fairly easy schedule. It's not the easiest, but they have a lot of games where you could see both sides putting up some good points. And with an ADP of 186, QB 26, you just can't miss with Andy Dalton if he plays 16 games. And if A.J. Green plays 16 games, you're going to get value out of him so easily. Again, quarterback is kind of a boring position. So let's move on um, to something much more uh, interesting. We'll, we'll move to running backs. Um, but one quick note is that, again, on, with Josh Allen being the perfect example, a lot of what we're looking for here is players with boom and bust potential. Um, if you can get a guy in the 10th round or the 14th round, one of the questions I always ask myself is how many weeks could this person be a top 12 player at their position? Um, if I'm getting John Brown in the uh, 12th or 14th round, um, can he be a top 12? Can he be a top five player at his position on any given week? Yeah, I think so. I think absolutely that's in play. Top 12 easily. Top five even. Um, if he can do three top 12s in a top five throughout the course of the year, we've more than returned value on John Brown. Um, so that's how we should be thinking about these things. And we'll talk through more advanced strategies, but we're really looking at a lot of boom-bust players, a lot of players with, with home run potential. Um, so let's dive into the running backs. Um, running back number one, value play. I have Leonard Fournette going as running back 15 with an ADP of 29.1. 29.1 puts him in the middle of the third round, but I've seen him regularly available late third round, even in the fourth round. Um, to me, this seems kind of ridiculous. Leonard Fournette, in my opinion, has the upside to be the number one rusher in the NFL. He's not going to catch a ton of passes, but the idea that he finishes with the most most rushing yardage in the NFL above Zeke, above Gurley, above whoever else you want to put there is very much in play for Leonard Fournette. 
Um, he should catch a few passes. Uh, some other things going his way. Better QB, no doubt about that. Um, it almost doesn't matter what Nick Foles does. He's going to be a better quarterback. Um, this team is going to be in the game more often. They're going to be running the ball more often. And the defense should improve. There's some issues here. I know we got some players sitting out. Um, and the, the big issue with the Jaguars, of course, for the past year is the what's going on in the locker room what's going on with these players what's going on with Fournette himself is he going to be on the field most games or is he going to be off because of suspension or hamstring or whatever else there's definitely downside here but for a guy who can no no one can really dispute that he could lead the league in, in rushing yards this year for for that player to be still available in the fourth round is is pretty ridiculous. So pounce on him in the middle of the third round and feel good about it. Um, value pick number two at running back position is Royce Freeman. He's going as running back thirty seven with an ADP of eighty eight. To put it into context, Philip Lindsay is running back twenty three at an ADP of forty six. I love Philip Lindsay. I loved watching him break out last year. I had zero of him in best ball. I don't know if anybody had him in best ball. For most people, he was a week one, week two, week three pickup off the waiver wire in, in fantasy leagues. Um, he wasn't on people's radar, and now he's on everybody's radar. And one, he had the wrist injury. He had wrist surgery in December. Um, number two, Royce Freeman was a third round draft pick and last year was his rookie year. He's developing, he's learning the offense. Um, what if these ADPs, what, what if their, what if their season results just wind up being flipped this year? What if Royce Freeman performs at ADP 46 value and Philip Lindsay performs at ADP 88 value or even, even better than that. But I think Royce Freeman has the potential anyways to be the lead back in Denver. Um, if that's true, then getting him as RB 37 with the 88 ADP is an excellent value. Another thing that I'm really keeping a close eye on, uh, is the offensive line. Mike Munchak came over from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's the offensive line coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We know how good that Steelers line is. We know how they can turn just about any running back into a star. Um, he's coming over to Denver, and you have to expect a better O-line, and you expect an O-line that is going to let a, a powerful back like Freeman uh, do his work. Um, you got a better QB there, too, with Joe Flacco. I think, his ups I think Freeman's upside is... A top 24, top 16, 18 running back uh, for this year. Maybe a little bit higher. Um, you're getting him at running back 37. Feel good about it. My third running back, and this one is probably my value play of the early preseason. Um, this is Jordan Howard. He is has somehow just been completely forgotten about um he's going as running back 38 in draft best ball tournaments he's got an adp of 95.8 uh 95.8 let's see which round that puts him in 
You can get him regularly at the end of the seventh, into the eighth, sometimes into the ninth round. I think I got him in the tenth round. I'll have to go back and look. This is ridiculous for Jordan Howard. Let me give you a stat. Jordan Howard has the third most rushing yards in the league for the last three years. The only two players with more rushing yards than him are Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley. He's moved to an offense with the Philadelphia Eagles that is probably better, probably a lot better than the offense he was just in. I know the Bears had a little bit of an offensive explosion this last year. Congratulations. The Eagles are better. They have a better offense. Um, he's got a better quarterback, and he's got a better O-line, and he has an offense that fits him. The reason the Bears had to get rid of Jordan Howard, he didn't run great, I'll give you that. Um, but they had to get rid of him because Nagy is trying to do something different with the Bears. He's trying to run a different type of offense. They need a, a back that catches far more passes. Um, they they picked up David Montgomery. They have Tariq Cohen. They had a plan all along, and it didn't include Jordan Howard. So he goes to the Eagles where they don't need Jordan Howard to catch passes. They have pass catchers there. And yes, they drafted Miles Sanders. But Miles Sanders has a hamstring injury right now. And he's a rookie. And Philadelphia always has a running back by committee. So the idea that Miles Sanders is just going to take all the touches away from Jordan Howard is simply not true. In fact, I think it's the opposite. I think Miles Sanders fights to get on the field. And Jordan Howard is the primary back on first and second down. Certainly the primary back at the goal line. He didn't do great at the goal line last year. There were a couple a couple times he got stuffed three times in a row, and it was pretty ugly. But he's a goal back. That's what he's built for. Um, and Jordan Howard is going to be on the field. I see the potential for, like, a LeGarrette Blunt New England Patriots eight. How many touchdowns did he have that year? 18 touchdowns or something? I see, I see potential for Jordan Howard to have, like, 10, 12, 14 touchdowns this year. And yeah, maybe he only gets you 700 or 800 yards. I'm not worried about that at all at an ADP of 95, grabbing him in the 8th and ninth round. Um, so does what's Jordan Howard's upside? Top, top 5? Probably not. Um, top 12 running back? I think that's certainly in play. Top 24 running back? That, that seems easy for Jordan Howard to get there. Uh, on the touchdowns alone. He finished 20th last year in half PPR, and people think that he had just about the worst season you can possibly have. So I expect him to do at least that, if not better, if not considerably better. So Jordan Howard is one of my absolute top plays. I'm telling you, I'm grabbing him regularly in the 8th and ninth round. You, if I'm in your draft, you're going to have to reach a little bit if you want to get Jordan Howard. Okay, so we're through the running backs. We'll move over to wide receiver. Um, there are lots of wide receivers that you can make a case for. There's lots of players at every position you can make a case for, but the wide receiver position is especially loaded, and it really is going to come down to personal preference. One thing I want to point out um, before I get into my top three is that there are lots of wide receivers in the first three rounds with number one wide receiver upside, and really, there's a few that are even number one overall position player upside. Um, if you look at last year in half point PPR, half PPR, uh, fantasy scoring, your 
overall position leaders, the first five were running backs, and then you had six through 11 were wide receivers, and, and they went Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Mike Thomas. Um, I think that any one of those guys, and probably a couple more, you can probably say Juju or uh, Odell Beckham Jr., have not only top 12 12, 12 upside, but really top three positional player upside. Are we probably going to see a running back be the number one fantasy producer for positional players? Yes. But could a wide receiver do it? I think so. So we're talking about a lot of guys who you're going to find at the end of round one, into round two, even into round three, who really have number one overall player upside. Um, And the reason I think that this is in play is the league is changing a little bit. Obviously, there's more passing. There's far more running back by committees. Um, You look at some of the traditional bell cows. They have people around them that that are taking away a little bit bit of work. Um, You're going to see it all over the league. Uh, Obviously, Gurley is a good example. Um, Zeke doesn't really have anybody else. That's that's fine. But a guy like Dalvin Cook, who everybody expects to be a bell cow, well, there's two other backs there. The guy they just drafted, uh, Alexander Hamilton and... Go back to last year and watch some of the early games for the Vikings. C.J. Ham was catching a lot of balls. I It's something I'm paying attention to. I'm watching a lot of Vikings tape right now. Um, I'm curious to see what they do with C.J. Ham this year because he was good catching the ball last year. Um, anyways, that's off topic. Um, the point is, it, is that wide receivers' values are depressed because people know how valuable a, a good running back is. But I think some of that carries over from fantasy football that you play in your league where it is so important to know you have that one running back in there. Best ball is far more suited to not knowing and not caring who your number one running back is. Just let it play out every week and instead have that really consistent production out of a Julio or a Mike Thomas or anybody. So I think there's a lot of value in these wide receivers. I like going wide receiver, wide receiver to start a lot of best ball drafts. Sometimes I'll even take three. I will even take four wide receivers in a row. That's something we'll get into later. That's a strategy consideration. Um, But definitely you can find value up top. Where I'm really looking though is at guys like Mike Evans with an ADP of 21, but he's frequently found in the third round. Uh, you got T.Y. Hilton, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, A.J. Green, Stephon Diggs. These are all third rounders with what I think is top 12 overall positional player upside. So I, I could see any, if, if you told me A.J. Green was the eighth uh, producing fantasy player this year, I would not be surprised at all. Um, so let's get into three wide receivers where I think you're just getting great value. Um, and unfortunately, my list doesn't include anybody from the late, late rounds. Um, we'll have to correct that in a future episode. I think late round wide receivers are some of the most fun. There's nothing better than drafting. Like uh, last year, I was getting John Brown regularly in the 17th round. It just feels so right. I mean, here's a guy who's catching bombs one out of four weeks. That's exactly what we want in the late rounds. But the three that I have picked are are much more early round and and mid-round, and we'll talk about why. Um, I'm starting with Stefan Diggs. 
He's going as wide receiver 14 with an ADP of 36. Um, 36 means you don't have to reach for him. You can take him in the fourth round regularly. He is such a creator. He's so good with his hands. He's so good in open space. He finished as the 24th player last year and wide receiver 11. He's still being drafted behind those. Um, I expect that Thielen's numbers pull back a bit. I think Diggs and Cousins have a connection. Thielen's the safety valve. He, he's more than a safety valve. Thielen, Thielen is a great player. But I don't see we think we see the sort of numbers we saw last year. I think uh, there is a pullback in his numbers. But the ceiling, we've not yet reached the ceiling with Stefan Diggs. And even if we were close to the ceiling, he's still being drafted behind what he produced last year. Um, he creates so well in the open field. He, he, he makes people miss, and you don't, even know, you don't even know why they're missing. He's going to score touchdowns, um, and, and he and Cousins have a connection that I think is only going to get stronger in the coming year. So Diggs is one of my, one of my targets. I'm, I'm getting him a lot in the fourth round. Uh, I'll grab him in the end of the third round if I don't like anything else there. Um, second wide receiver we're going to look at is Will Fuller. He's, we all know Will Fuller is the ultimate boomer bust um, player. You know, he's catching so many touchdowns from Desha- from uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, it it almost it, it's not sustainable. Everybody knows that, but he's being drafted as the thirty second wide receiver off the board with an ADP of seventy six. If he plays even close to 16 games, he's going to get his numbers and he's going to have those big games. And and like we talked about before with Josh Allen, I don't want Will Fuller to have consistent games. I want two touchdown games. That's what we're playing here. We're playing best ball. I have typically seven, eight, or nine wide receivers on my best ball team. I do not need Will Fuller to produce week in and week out. I want 120 yards and two touchdowns out of Will Fuller four times a year. Um, he was 20th in fantasy points per game last year at wide receiver. He's got boom bust potential every week, as we know, and his ceiling is so much higher than uh, the 32nd wide receiver off the board. So take a look at Will Fuller. Uh, easy to stack with Deshaun Watson as well. We'll talk about stacking later. Um, and for our third receiver to round it out, um, Deshaun Jackson, DJX. Going as wide wide receiver 46, ADP of 106. Um, that puts him in about the ninth round. You can get him in in the ninth round pretty regularly. I've seen him in the tenth. Um, Jackson moved over to Philadelphia, and I I just he, yes he was in a great situation last year with Fitzpatrick throwing him bombs game after game in Tampa Bay. But I think this Philadelphia. Uh, move is just such a great fit for him. He doesn't have to. He, he you never want Djax to be the number one on your team. You want him to be a complimentary piece. You really only want Djax to get about four or five looks a game. That's when he's being used correctly. And Carson Wentz is a great, great quarterback to be looking down the field for Djax about that many times a game. Again, very much, very similar to Will Fuller. In fact, I think. You can you can predict they're going to have three four games apiece where they're the number one through five uh, wide receiver of the week and that's what we're looking for here. 
This is an obvious play. It's best ball. It's a best ball championship. Even if he only shows up a couple times this year, we still he has still has the potential to um, really be a big producer for the few week for those few weeks. Um, this is where I really like the strategy of grabbing a couple of those very very solid wide receivers in rounds two and three. Um, let's say you you have a Mike, Michael Thomas or a Julio Jones and an AJ Green. Um, and then you go heavy at running back tight end, other positions, and now all of a sudden you grab Will Fuller and Djax. If those are if if you're starting four or if your first four wide receivers are Julio Jones, AJ Green, Will Fuller, Deshaun Jackson, and then you fill it out with three or four more after that, I think you're looking at a really high upside team. But you have such a nice floor too with with um, Julio or Michael Thomas and AJ Green. All right, so tight end to finish out our positional players. Um, this one will go pretty quick. I'm it, with tight end. We're going to talk about tight end a lot during the lead up to the 2019 season for these best balls. It's a really interesting position. There's a lot of there's a lot of strategy around the position. Um, sometimes you use tight end as your buffer, so it can get you out of a jam if you. You can you can go, you can draft a tight end in the 16th, 17th, 18th round, and allow yourself to be really flexible in the earlier rounds and and fill in positions or try out strategies, try out stacking strategies that you wouldn't have been able to do if you're drafting a tight end in let's say if you're grabbing Ertz or or uh, Kelsey or you're getting your Hunter Henrys and your OJ Howards. Um, you're missing out on, on really valuable plays there. So this tight end position, it's you can move it around. You can draft. If you draft a tight end in the second round, that's going to be fine. If you draft your tight ends in the 17th and 18th round, that's probably going to be fine too. We're going to talk a lot about tight end. Um, here's three quick ones. I got Chris Herndon. He's going as tight end 12 with an ADP of 122. This puts him in the 10th round. That ADP is falling pretty considerably. He was 111 a week ago. Um, I expect it to fall a little bit more. He's got that two-game suspension. I'm not worried about that two-game suspension. My tight end, I usually have either two or three tight ends. I don't expect them to show up most weeks. Uh, Tight end is kind of a throwaway position in this format, or it can be. Um, so the fact that my tight end is not going to be playing for two weeks doesn't really bother me. I'm just going to make sure that I have somebody who I think is going to produce in weeks one and two this season. Um, so that might be a slightly better. I mean, certainly he's great to pair up with an Ertz or a Kelsey or a Kittle. Um, but you can pair him up with lots of other tight ends too. And I think he emerged last year. Sam Darnold likes him. He looks to him. He's big. He's got a big profile. He's going to catch touchdowns. Uh, seems like a good value in the 10th round. You'll probably be able to find him later than that as well. Um, for tight end, my second tight end, we're going to go with Kyle Rudolph. He's going as tight end 14 off the board with an ADP of 127. You're actually going to find a lot of your tight ends, that, especially your second tight end. But for me, oftentimes, both my first and second tight end, they're all following in this, this value range of like, ADP like 120 through like 160. Um, it's just it's just what happens. Tight ends get pushed down. They aren't nearly as valuable. 
So this is a lot of times where I'm looking for a tight end. Um, so Kyle Rudolph, um, ADP of 127. Yes, there was a lot of talk of him being completely done, completely washed up, not not uh, being a presence at all. But I'm not quite there. I don't quite believe it. Um, I was actually drafting a lot of Kyle Rudolph before he signed his new contract. Um, and I'm a little bit, I'm almost disappointed that he signed the contract. I kind of wanted that to stretch on a little bit longer. Um, because I think his value was just going to keep falling and people were going to completely write him off. Um, at where he's going, I mean, look look who I have around him, Chris Herndon, and we'll get to my, my third tight end who's just behind him. Um, I just think Kyle Rudolph has the potential to be such a step ahead of the other tight ends in this range. Um, you got You got so many guys who just simply aren't going they don't have the pedigree that he has they don't have uh the the connection with the quarterback yes he's slower he has he but his hands are great he's a presence in the red zone um and he's a safe he's he is a safety valve for for cousins um he's the safety valve on the team not Thielen um and it's a team that doesn't have they have a great weapons, but they don't have so many weapons that they spread the ball out. So I think Kyle Rudolph is going to get some catches. He's going to score some touchdowns. He's fine at 127. And my last tight end is Mark Andrews. He's going as tight end 18 with an ADP of 145. A little bit of a question mark here. Yes, he's got Hayden Hurst behind him. There's also the blocking tight end, uh, Mark Boyle, that stays on the field a lot. But we know what this Ravens offense is going to do. They're going to run a ton of two tight end sets. They're going to put Lamar Jackson in a position to succeed with short passes. And Mark Andrews emerged as the person last year who's going to be catching a lot of those short passes. Um, I like grabbing him as a standalone um, at 145. This means you're getting him easily in the 12th round, sometimes in the 13th round. He will go earlier. People do grab him. His, his name has become a little bit hot right now. But here's an interesting strategy, and we'll talk about this um, in, a, in a future episode for sure. But you can grab Mark Andrews. Let's say he sneaks to you at uh, one in, in the 12th round, um, and you have a, a, a second tight end. You can plan on grabbing Hayden Hurst in the 18th round. Now, you haven't thrown away a pick per se. With, yes, you're not going to get consistent production out of both of them. But you used a 14th and an 18th round pick, and you will get tight end production week in and week out. You can almost you can almost guarantee that. Um, so that's a strategy we'll talk about later. But I like Mark Andrews standalone as well. All right, so we've gone through some value plays at each position. Like I said, there's lots more value plays out there. You're going to have to build the story yourself. You're going to you're going to Build your own stories. You, you may disagree with some of mine, but there's lots more for you to find. Just think. One of the things that I like to do, do a lot is think, can this guy be a number one wide receiver in a week? Can they be a top 12 wide receiver in a week? Can, what, how often can they be that? Because I don't care what their fantasy stats look like at the end of the year. I care how often they popped into my starting lineup in the best ball format. So... How do you manage this value in the best ball championship? It's going to be a little bit different than your normal 12-player best ball draft. It's not 
too different in both of them we're playing to win that's where that's where the money is you don't play 12 this is this is an old sit and go uh, uh, fallacy and it's one of the reasons that I was able to be so successful in poker sit and goes Omaha high low sit and goes is I did not play to cash I play to win so in your 12 player best ball they're either paying out three or four spots you shouldn't be paying playing to sneak into third place that you don't you can't put up a consistent long-term ROI doing that a lot of people think that you can a lot of poker players thought that you could they went by the wayside you put up your higher highest ROI by playing to win this means you take chances on guys like DJX on guys like Josh Allen they're not gonna be in every single one of your lineups but these high upside guys are gonna be in a lot of your lineups and when they hit, you will win the tournament, not just take third place for a min cash. Um, so there's really two polar opposite strategies that you take into your your best ball drafts and specifically into this best ball championship draft. The first strategy is you go all in hard on your value plays. You have them identified at every in every round in every uh, uh, throughout each draft. You're looking ahead to see okay who's coming up, which position I need. I'm really short on wide receivers, but look at this. I got a value pocket of wide receivers right here. Um, I'm going to start grabbing guys in the seventh, eighth, ninth round. Um, you you reach a little bit. Um, this is going to give you a higher percentage ownership again on the field it's going to give you a higher percentage ownership even than people who like your own guys um, because you're gonna reach maybe a round earlier or a half round earlier across the board. You skip over 12, 15 players in front of them on the draft board ADP wise and you, you snag your guy. You get this higher percentage ownership and it requires reaching. The other way, this is the, the other side of the strategy, the polar opposite, is to just kind of surf along at ADP and you grab, you know, okay, you're looking at three players at the end of the first round. It's Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, um, and I don't know who else is there. Um, somebody else, a running back. You, you decide to grab one. You're not doing any reaching here. Third round comes around. You're doing the same thing. You grab AJ Green at the end of the third round. You're not doing any reaching here. Fifth round comes around. You're, you're doing the same thing. Now, all of a sudden, it's the seventh round and uh, Will Fuller's still on the board. And, and you just think that that's ridiculous. And he's one of your guys. You, you snatch him up every single time. Whereas before, you were just kind of willing to let, you know, whoever, whoever the public thinks is the play, you're going to select one of those three or five players. And you're really not grabbing your, your value guys until they really drop in, um, until they really drop to you later in the draft. This gives you my more diverse ownership across the board. You still get your guys a lot, but you don't really reach for them. So in, in this second example, because you're not reaching, because you have more diverse ownership across the board, you've given yourself a lot of different ways to win the best ball championship. But to some extent, you're actually betting against yourself. Um, when you... Yes, you have more. Uh, you have more John Brown than the field. You have more Will Fuller than the field. But and you you have them in a variety of different lineups. But you really only have about ten percent of your lineups with your player in it. 
versus reaching, you might have 15, 18, 20, 25% uh, lineups with that player in it. If you truly believe in that player, if you truly believe they're a value where, you, where you're grabbing them, even when you're reaching for them, you kind of want that higher ownership. This, the, the second method, you're betting against yourself a little bit because you're, you're not willing to put your stake in on individual players as much as you possibly could. We're going to talk about betting against yourself a lot on this podcast. You have to do it week in and week out when you're playing DFS. If you weren't doing it, you would just be entering the same lineup over and over and over again. Um, obviously, if you're playing 150 lineups in the million, you're not doing that. You bet against yourself in life, too. In, insurance of any any form is just, it's just betting against yourself. Health insurance is paying money, betting that you're going to get sick. Um, travel insurance is pay extra, uh, betting against yourself, making your flight. You should be able to do that. Um, you don't have to bet against yourself, but you can, and and you can if you think it's the right play in the moment. For example, I decline uh, insurance on a lot of electronics because I can afford to... I know that the the company insuring that is it's a huge plus EV play for them, and I can afford to replace that piece of electronics if if it gets broken. So I'm not going to let them take a plus EV play against me, um, just so that if I happen to break my computer, I can get it replaced. No, I'll just try to be careful with my computer and and not give them the plus EV play, which implies that I have the negative EV. EV play, but you should be betting against yourself. So think of these two polar opposite strategies, one where you're reaching over and over, you're getting your guys, you're, you're uh, planting your flag, you're getting high percentage ownership on these guys, and the opposite strategy where you're just kind of floating along, you're taking the players that come to you, when you see your, your value players appear to you in that round, you grab them, if they're there in a later round, you definitely grab them, but you don't have as high ownership. Think of these as a range. And now as you approach your individual drafts, adjust the range to your preference. I do this as well, even when I'm planting my flag on Jordan Howard over and over and over again. Sometimes I'll be taking all value play, all, I'll be reaching for all my value plays in, in a couple tournaments in a row. And then sometimes I'll say, you know what? Let me just float along, let me take whoever the ADP puts in my queue, whoever whoever looks good there, I'll, I'll go with the public opinion, but I am going to get Jordan Howard in this one too. Um, so adjust the range to your preference. Go back and forth. Sometimes just float along in the early rounds. Sometimes float along in the late rounds. But you're, you're going to want to think of this as a range and just think of where are you going heavy all in and where are you backing off. Um, and what you're going to see as the summer progresses is that these ADPs are going to change a lot. So I fully expect Jordan Howard, like four weeks from now, to be two rounds higher than he's going right now. I'm trying to get as much of him as I can right now. And I may back off of him as he, he creeps up round by round. I might say, you know what? I, I'm back on the Miles Sanders train now. He, he's falling off. The hamstring's lingering. But maybe I want to get Miles Sanders for games 9 through 16 this year. And maybe he's now at a value where that makes sense. So all of this is, is things are, are so fluid throughout, the, throughout this preseason here. Um, we, haven't, we haven't got to any training camps. We haven't heard 
any buzz. It's complete dead time in the NFL. What I would recommend doing is get yourself some practice on these best ball drafts and start to get into the best ball championship now because this is a time of year where you might be able to find some really excellent value that you can't get four weeks from now, six weeks from now. Um, so I think I had a whole nother section here um, about stacking, an intro to stacking. Um, but I think we're going to put that off to the next week because we're already running quite long here. Um, so that'll be a good conversation. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll skip here just to, just to uh, close out the episode. Um, a few things before I go. Um, first, I want to talk about my social media and Twitch, especially Twitch. Now, I'm brand new to Twitch, just like I'm brand new to podcasting. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for me. For those of you who don't know about Twitch, um, join the club. Uh, it's very simple to sign up, create a username, and you can start watching content right away. Twitch is a platform made famous by a lot of gamers. Um, a lot of gamers go on there and they live stream their gaming sessions. Um, they interact with uh, their audience um, and people can learn a lot about how to play these different games, Fortnite, League of Legends, Magic, whatever. There's all sorts of things out there. I don't know I don't know nearly enough about this world. But I think the format lends itself so well to two things that we'll be doing a lot. One is best ball drafting. Best ball drafting is so dynamic. A lot of times you're in the moment. You you make mistakes. You um you have tough decision points, really tough decision points. You have all these things that come to you very quickly. Um and it's really great to see it in action and I love talking through best ball drafts I love going I love putting crazy strategies into place like I'm going to stack this player with this player with this player and let's see what it looks like so I'm going to do a lot of that we'll focus on different topics um, and we'll do a lot of live best ball drafting so at least once or twice a week um, I'm going to be on Twitch I'm going to spend a couple hours drafting several lineups in a row answering com answering questions um and uh hopefully that is helpful for you as you do your own best ball drafts and then in season during the during the football season we're going to be doing live lineup building so DraftKings, FanDuel, maybe some other sites um we're going to talk through lots of different strategies um so really from now until the end of the football season you can expect a podcast regularly you can expect multiple twitch sessions a week and I hope it. I hope it's really good content that gives everybody in the in the right um, place for the NFL season. Um, my name on Twitch, did I put it in here? Yes, is a underscore Ivanovich. That's the letter A underscore I V A N O V I C H. Um, follow me on there. The content, if you missed the live session, the content will be hosted there. You can always go back and rewatch. Um, and then the podcast content is going to be, we're going to, it's going to be a little bit less dynamic, but hopefully more, a little bit more evergreen where it's strategy and concepts that can kind of, kind of live, live on the internet for a little while. And you can, you can go back and listen to them anytime leading up to the season, even in the season. And hopefully it's helpful. Um, so the first Twitch session is going to be Friday, June 28th. That's this Friday at 7 p.m. Again, don't worry if you miss it. It's going to be hosted on the page. I'm going to do tons of these 
you can go back and rewatch it. And for those of you who haven't used Twitch before, do not worry, it's super easy. I downloaded the app, got an account, and was watching people play Fortnite within a matter of like seven minutes. So I don't know anything about Fortnite, but if you're into that, you can do that too. Um, Draft is also going to be le- releasing other large best ball tournaments. I, I assume, I, in fact, I was already emailing with them trying to figure out what, what else they're going to be releasing. They haven't told me, but they did say they are definitely going to be doing more. I expect a $5 buy-in. Um, I expect a larger buy-in, maybe $100 or $125 like last year. So we really have the opportunity to draft hundreds and hundreds of best ball tournaments if we want. Um, and I'm planning on drafting as many as possible. Um, second, some upcoming topics. Um, we're, I just want to throw these out there to get you ready for what you're going to see for the next few weeks. We're going to talk about advanced stacking and stacking, which we missed today, um, in best ball drafts. We're going to do positional breakdowns of players with number one upside and players who might be complete busts and who we should fade. Um, we're going to do advanced strategies for the best ball championship. So these are these really nuanced things like how to be contrarian, how to be unique in, in this field where there's going to be 170,000 entrants or 160 some thousand entrants. So let's, let's try to get positioned to win a million dollars. Let's be unique. How do we do that? So we're going to talk about lots of strategies like that. Um, we're going to talk about players poised to skyrocket if there's an injury on their team or... Uh, an injury in front of them. Um, we're going to talk about best ball uh, drafts that that I've completed. Um, this is something where I'll throw these up on Instagram or somewhere else, and we'll we'll go through the drafts. And believe me, the best part of these drafts is breaking down the mistakes. I would like to say I don't make any mistakes, but that is impossible. When you play as many of these things and they move as fast as they do, you make mistakes regularly. But you can mitigate those mistakes and you can you can use strategies to actually turn them into a positive down, down the road. So we're going to talk about that. Tons more best ball advice. Um, we're also going to do some episodes on gambling, uh, futures bets, prop bets, um, Super Bowl bets. Uh, I got a couple spicy Super Bowl picks that I want to talk about. And then every episode, we'll spend at least a couple minutes talking about some general gambling theory, advice, things that I've learned along the way, both as a professional gambler, as a poker player, but also as someone who has been a uh, just t- taken bad bets, who's done, who's gone the wrong route on some of these bets, who had to learn the hard way a lot of the time. So I've, I have lots of advice, and hopefully that'll, that'll help you too. Um, and then during the season, we're going to have tons of content on these large, uh, large field tournaments like the Sunday Million, other GPPs on FanDuel and DraftKings, smaller field tournament tournaments, single entry tournaments, showdown slates, which I love, and so much more. Um, so that's what we're getting set up for. We're going to have some guests. I already mentioned Quad Ducks. He is scheduled to come on to one of our upcoming episodes and um i want to hear from you uh i want to know what topics do you want us to discuss you can find me on twitch which we talked about instagram um i am a underscore ivanovich underscore roars so a ivanovich roars with underscores between them and on twitter you can find me at 
Ivanovich under, underscore roars. That's Ivanovich underscore roars. So look for me on any of those. Send me messages. Send me questions. Um, I'm going to be putting up a lot of content on Instagram, drafts, um, notifications about tw upcoming Twitch and podcasts, episodes, um, and lots more stuff. That is all for episode number one. Thanks for joining us on the Gamble Pod. Good luck in all of your bets and best ball drafts, and we will talk again soon.